0: So surveying the audience, I'd say most of you do or have shaved at some time in the present, past, and probably will in the future. Now, guys, I don't know if you remember when when you got taught how to shave. If you're like me, you didn't necessarily get taught. You just kind of picked up a razor one day and said, I'm going to do this, right? And if you're like me, uh, you happen to find the oldest, nastiest, disposable razor that was in the bathroom. And you didn't know what you was doing. And that sweet little baby face of yours got chunked up or whatever. Ladies, I'm sure it's the same with your legs. But there there is something very, very good about a good razor. One that does its job well. Now you got to be careful because, like a good razor, will cut you too. You got to be careful. But there's just, I mean, just a thousand times quality difference between that good new actual razor than that old beat up disposable razor. You're supposed to throw them away, okay? Some of y'all are hoarding them. Some of y'all got like 10 or 12 of them laying around and you pick one up every now and then you don't know how old it is, you don't care, and you use it. They're disposable and you are supposed to throw them away. Just remember that. Now the other ones, you take the blade out and you get a new blade, such and such. And, and by the way, completely has nothing to do with nothing. How expensive are razor blades for goodness sake? Well. Dang, God. Yeah, Will Smith, unless unless they get your credit card and order 100 men's shaving club kits and you happen to get them for nothing. There is something disposable about disposable razors. That's kind of the point this morning, right? Throw them away. I would say don't use them, truthfully. Don't buy them. Just throw them away because they're disposable. What we're going to talk about this morning is kind of, sort of, maybe along those same lines, and we're going to talk about what's disposable and what's good and right and what works and what doesn't work. And we're looking today at Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to read today verses 19 through 34, but we're only going to cover 19 through 24 today. Okay, It's one big thought pattern in 19 through 24, and no way in the world could I get through it all in one hour. So we're going to break it up into its two main thoughts and today's 19 through 24 in what we're going to cover. But would you stand with us? Uh, Probably the last time I'll ask you to stand this service for those of you that aren't familiar with what we do. But we stand because we revere and we honor the Word of God because like we said while we were singing, these are the very words of God and He demands... And this word demands our reverence and our attention. So if you would turn your hearts, your heads, your affections toward what we're about to read. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Let's pray. God, we ask again for you to speak. and You have just spoken. And now by the power of your Holy Spirit, God, would you teach and convict us and draw us, mend us, bless us, encourage us, strengthen us according to the power of your word. We ask and expect it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Wow. (laughs) Incredible words we just read. We are working through the Gospel of Matthew where Jesus is presented as the King. The King of the Jews, the King of the earth, the King of the universe. And we're right in the middle of His Sermon on the Mount, which is chapters 5 through 7. And we come today, again, I I can't overemphasize how much this passage of Scripture means to me personally. Especially in light of what's going on in our world today. Um, We live in a world that's both wonderful and terrible. We see curses and blessings. We see good and we see bad. And the Bible says that we are aliens and strangers as Christians in this world. Some of y'all are stranger than others, but we live here, but our home is not here. So how do we relate to this world? And fortunately, God knew that we would struggle with this, so the Bible has a whole lot to say about how we are to relate to the world. And in our journey through Matthew here on the Sermon on the Mount, we come directly to this very topic of how we relate to the world. We've been dealing in chapter 5 and in chapter 6 up through verse 18 with how we relate to God. We've talked about, blessed are the poor in spirit. We've talked about being the salt and the light. And we've talked about what it means to give and to pray and to fast. And we've talked about private piety. And we move today to more of a public piety in what we're going to look at. We're out of the secret place where we've been and now we're out into the marketplace. We're moving from our personal relationship with God and into interrelating with the world. Now a whole lot of what we're dealing with will be inner issues, things like materialism and anxiety. But our main relating will be with how we relate to the world around us. We move from the fake piety of the Pharisees and being contrasted with them. And now we move to a focus on how the Gentiles operate. And Gentiles just means non-Jewish. And in a Jewish mind, if you're a Gentile, you're a non-believer because you're not following the God of the Old Testament. You're not following Yahweh. Maybe you worship gods or maybe you've got a particular God that you worship, but you're, you're an unbeliever or a false believer. So when we see the word Gentile, I want you to think unbeliever. I want you to think world, not God's people. So that's where our focus turns today. We're going to be contrasted with how the Gentiles operate. And Jesus is going to move away from don't be like the Pharisees to don't be like the Gentiles. And what we've seen in our reading today in verses 19 through 34 are dichotomies. Anybody familiar with that word? dichotomy. It's when you've got two opposing things set up against each other. And only two. Di is a prefix that means two. Let me just give you what some of these dichotomies are. We just read two treasures, two kinds of eyes, two masters, two kingdoms. And what we cover today in verses 19 through 24 and then next week in 25 through 34, Lord willing, we see that there is, listen to me, no middle ground. There is no fence to ride. You are in one kingdom or the other. You are serving one master or the other. You are treasuring one treasure or the other. And remember, Jesus is talking to His disciples and He is urging them to see the choice And make the right one. Now listen to me. Maybe a controversial statement to some of you. The disciple of Jesus, the believer, the Christian, the born again person is the only person in the world who truly has free will. The unbeliever, Scripture says, is held captive by the devil to do his will. But when you're born again, now you've got a choice. Now you've got a will. Now you can seek this or that. You can seek the kingdom of God or the kingdom of earth. So this is two believers. This is two born-again people. And Jesus is saying, make the right choice as my people. And He's also going to show them the key to making that right choice along with the rewards that come with it. So let's dig in. Like I said today, we're looking at verses 19 through 24. 24. So we'll start with verse 19. Right, here we go. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. So money, things, stuff, treasure. I don't know what you think of or what you feel or how you feel when you hear these words, but these words have the general ability to elicit strong desires. Strong affections in so many of us. And as we launch into this passage today, I think it's important to point out that Jesus, being God in the flesh, was clearly aware of the power and allure of material possessions. A few years ago, on Wednesday nights when we were at the other building, we went through a little book called The Treasure Principle. Anybody remember that? Anybody ever read that book? It's a good book. Randy Alcorn is the author. That book pointed out that if you put all of Jesus' recorded teachings together and extracted what he said about money and possessions, it would be about 15% of his total teaching. 15%. So, one and a half out of every 10 words in Jesus' recorded words concerned money and material possessions. Now, think about that. That's a lot. That's more than what he said about heaven and hell combined. And I can't remember I tried to find I heard this or read this and I tried to go back and find it and I couldn't. But I read or saw somewhere in my studying this week that someone said it's 5 times more than the next closest thing that he talked about. 5 times. So money, possessions, things, stuff, Jesus was very apt to be saying something about stuff and things a lot of the time when he was talking and what we see in the Bible. Why? Well, think about it. He knew exactly what he was doing, obviously, because he was God in the flesh. He knew exactly what his disciples and by association what we need. So now as he turns a corner in this Sermon on the Mount, the first thing he addresses after personal piety is treasures. Things, stuff, money. And what does he say first? Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Now look at that. The first thing he says here is a negative command. Do not. And note that it is a command. The king, the Lord, God in the flesh is commanding his disciples to not do something. And anytime you see a command or an imperative in the Bible, pay attention because it's telling you something to do or not to do. Parents, (laughs) how many times have you told your kids not to do something? You ever have one of those kind of stare-down, test-of-the-wheel type things where they're walking towards something they're not supposed to touch and you go, do not touch that. And they're looking at you and they're kind of... Inching a little closer to it, and they're reaching out that hand. You say, "Don't you touch that?" And they're like watching, and they're and what they're trying to figure out: is he going to back down? And you're watching, and like, is he really going to do this? And I say he because it's generally the boys. Okay, I'm just, you know, just being honest with you. The girls are much sneakier. Yeah, you're not going to catch them doing it. That's right. But <laughs> that kid, his eyes are locked on you. He inches his hand closer and closer. You're watching to see if they're going to obey or disobey. And now, generally, the negative prohibition with your kids is for what? Why do we tell our kids not to do something, generally? Safety. For safety. Because we, we don't want them to get hurt. I, I, I thought about putting things in here, but I thought, you know what? I don't really want to bring them up because it just makes kids especially want to do. But we want to keep them safe. We don't want to abuse our power. We don't want to be mean. Kids, hear me say that. If your parents are saying not to do something, it's for your safety. It's for your good. They're not trying to be mean to you. They're not trying to abuse their power. It's because they love you. For my Savior loves me so, He will hold me fast. Which means He'll tell me what not to do. We know that bad things can happen if they do what we're telling them not to do. Whether it's a main road or a power outlet or a relationship with someone who's not good for them. We want to spare them pain or consequences. And this goes all the way back to creation, right? God told Adam and Eve to avoid one particular tree. Why? Let's read it real quick. Genesis 2, 15 through 17. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord commanded the man saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden... But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. You shall not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because if you do, you will surely die. Now that's pretty straight up, right? Asa, I'm glad he's not here this morning. I'm going to talk about him. He had a terrible habit like a year ago or so where he would hide from us. And he would not answer us. And he would not come out of wherever he was. And I can just imagine him wherever he was going, because he could hear us. And one, one of his favorite hiding places was under vehicles. Oh, yeah, right. So uh, no, sometimes it was on top of a vehicle too. He would do that as well. But there was a lot of times he would hide under a vehicle. And we had to tell him, do not do that. Of course, he didn't understand. He just knew that he couldn't be found. Because who's going to look under a vehicle for their four-year-old? Hopefully nobody. And we would say, don't do that! And I'm sure he was like, why are you mad at me? Because you could die. Why did we prohibit? Because we love Him. And we didn't want Him to die. I mean, that, that sounds oversimplified, but it's just the truth. It's as simple as that. So here, in our passage from Matthew today, Jesus gives His disciple a prohibition. A negative command. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Probably worth some investigation, don't you think? Let's look into the particulars here. We've already addressed the do not part. But what about lay up? Now it's March Madness time. This is not a basketball term. Okay? It's a very interesting phrase, the word... Or the phrase lay up. It's one Greek word, and I won't bore you with all this. But look at the Greek word, thesorizo. Now what word do you see in that? Thesaurus. Okay, we'll get back to that in a second. Okay, Translated as lay up, in store, lay up treasure, treasure up, heap treasure together, and keep in store. It means to gather and lay up, to heap up, to store up to accumulate riches, to keep in store, store up, reserve, so to live from day to day as to increase either the bitterness or the happiness of one's consequent lot. So this is the thought of adding to, adding to, adding to, adding to, adding to, and living for the purpose of adding to. Your treasures, your things, your stuff. The word thesaurus is a collection, a heaping up of words. That's literally what it is. Okay, So Jesus is saying not to do this with earthly treasure Which we'll look at the earthly treasure part here in a minute Don't lay up, heap up, store up Increase more and more and more Make it your purpose to increase more and more Don't make your life about getting more and more and more Don't make heaping up stuff your life's ambition Don't do it The thought is not about not having enough. It's about having more and more and more and more. This is not a scarcity mindset. This is a hoarding mindset. Just give me more. I need more. I need more. I need more. And I don't know what your favorite thing or things are. Maybe it's food. Maybe it's... I don't know. What do you like? What do you buy? When Hannah was little, she kept buying these Webkins, These little... Stuffed animals and we got more and more and more. And I should have busted this verse out on her. Don't do that. That's what I should have done. But, but whatever it is, it's that thing, that brass ring that you're reaching for. And maybe it's just money. Maybe it's security and you're just wanting to heap up more and more and more and more and more. And Jesus says, don't do that. And it's a present, active, imperative verb. So present tense means Now. Active means I'm doing it and imperative means, oh, i got to do it. And Jesus says, don't make this your everyday imperative to store up, heap up treasure. Don't do this as your normal everyday priority goal. And what are we not to lay up? Treasures on earth. So what are treasures? Now look at this. (laughs) They sorrows. Interesting, huh? 18 times. Translates as treasure. 18 times. The place in which good and precious things are collected and laid up, a casket, a coffer, or other receptacle in which valuables are kept, a treasury, storehouse, repository, a magazine, which that doesn't mean paper, magazine. The things laid up in a treasury collected treasures. See the connection? Listen, guys. The original languages make the Bible so much better. English is such a language. But you see the, see the connection? Treasures are the sorrows, and layup was they soridzo. So what Jesus is literally saying is, don't treasure up treasures. Don't get valuable, desirable things and collect them, hoard them, and treasure them in your life. It's important to see that phrase, for yourselves, in light of all this too. This is a personal, possibly selfish thing. For yourselves. Those treasures are for you. This is mine. This is for me. Funny, that's kind of contra to what Jesus said in the disciples' prayer, which was what? Our Father, lead us not into temptation. Do not lay up for yourselves individually treasures on earth. Now on earth, it doesn't take much exploration to know what that means. It's the world, the planet we live on. To quote the great Joe Diffie, third rock from the sun, right? One of y'all got that one. So the earth also refers to the current age and system that is in place on this planet. Here, now, with the way things are. So put all that together again. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Do not treasure up for yourself treasures on earth in the here and now on this planet. Don't do it! Don't! And Jesus makes the command pretty common sense when He adds that negative command, this statement about the earth... In this negative command, he adds this about the earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Jesus is saying, don't store up things that you deem as valuable here on earth and then describes the earth as a place where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Don't treasure up treasures where varmints can eat them. Don't treasure up treasures where decay can ruin them. Don't treasure up treasures where thieves can get to them and steal them. And that's everything. Everything we've got. Everything we own. It certainly described the wealth of the Jews in their times, of Jesus' time, doesn't it? Garments were a sign of wealth. Well, moths can eat your garments. Varmints can eat your garments. Rust, they used metal coins. They had gold and silver. Rust could destroy that. And the stuff that you had around your house that you liked, that you treasured? Well, thieves could break in and steal that. Don't store these things up. Don't make them your treasure and treasure them more and more. Because if you can lose it to bugs, rust, or robbers, are they really that valuable? And you know what? I've said this before here, and I'll say it again probably some some other time. A great field trip is to go to the dump. Take your kids to the dump because that's where it all ends up. That most precious toy that they have, that most precious possession that you've got, it all ends up in the scrap heap. All of it. We talked about Castle Grayskull for two weeks now. My Castle Grayskull's in a dump somewhere now. And it was the most valuable thing in the world to me at one point. For real. And it's in the trash now. Don't store up treasures that are going to end up in the trash. I mean, it's like Jesus saying, that'd be stupid. He's not as crass as me, I don't think. But but you say these things are valuable to me. I do like these things. I would like to have more. I do like money. I do like security. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying. Don't let these things invade your heart so that they hold a place of prominence or desire there. Don't let this transient stuff be the focus of your life. And now we could spend a lot more time here, but we've got to move on. So what should we do then instead of the negative do not prohibition? Verse 20, But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Don't do this, but do this. That's the structure here. It's not just a negative command, but a negative and a positive. Pascal said that our nature hates a vacuum. What that means is we hate to be told not to do something. If all you hear is the negative command, don't, 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 we hate that. People that are trying to quit smoking. They don't just put down their cigarettes. They pick up hard candy or lifesavers. They got to replace that habit with something else. I can't just say, don't do drugs, but instead, seek the things that are going to make you healthy. Don't do drugs, but exercise. You say, well, it's not that easy. I know it's not that easy. What I'm saying is you have to replace something that is prohibited with something that is good. Don't do this, but do this. We hate to be told not to do something. But it's not as bad if we have something to replace it with. And the Bible's very aware of this. God's aware of this. So so Jesus gives us choices, not just prohibitions. Don't do this, but instead do this. And here, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust and thieves break in and steal, but... In which direction does He go? But live in abject poverty as a way to show your holiness. But... Eschew all earthly things altogether? No, that's not what he says. But rather, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. So the negative prohibition was about not laying up... Was, the negative prohibition was not about not laying up treasures. It was about where you should not lay your treasures up. The positive command is to lay up treasures in a better place place. Treasure up treasures. Same same structure. Yes, do it, but not here because that'd be silly. All this stuff's going to burn, literally. Nothing here on earth is permanent. I mean, even moths can destroy it. Don't place the precious things in your life here on earth. No, but... Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. In heaven. Treasures, yes, but not here. Treasures in heaven. Lay them up there. Make yourself rich in heaven. Deposit your treasures in heaven. And heaven is a place where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. The treasures in heaven are not temporal nor transient. They are forever. No ruin, no decay, no loss. Why wouldn't you deposit your treasure there? It can't be taken from you there. It will not fade nor fail there. So Jesus is not saying not to lay up treasures, but is saying lay them up where they won't ever go away. And to that I say, Amen. Good idea, Jesus. Seems like smart investing to me. And Jesus is saying it's smart too. Now if I'm honest, that's not what I would have expected Jesus to say after do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. I would have expected Him to say, but avoid treasures altogether. And listen to me, that's not what He's saying. Get a hold of that. Jesus is all about His followers laying up treasures. He's all about it. He wants that for them. Get a hold of that. He wants them to be smart in their investments. And He wants them to be paid the dividends that He desires for them. And so He commands them, and yes it is a command, to lay up treasures in heaven. Do this. Not that. Why? Here comes a purpose statement. Verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Aha! Always look for the four. Don't lay up treasures on earth, but lay up treasures in heaven. It would be easy to say that the moths, rust, and thieves or their absence are the whys to the previous statement, but they're not. Moths, rust, and thieves are not the why. They're just descriptors of earth and heaven. The why of it all is found here. Don't lay up treasures on earth, but lay up treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Why would Jesus want His disciples to store up treasures in heaven instead of on earth? For where your treasure is, wherever you treasure up what you treasure, there your heart will be also. Again, this is an aha moment. Take on me. That's not what, that's not what I'm talking about. Aha! Look at this. Note this. Pay attention to this. Jesus knows the human heart better than we know it ourselves. And He paints a universal picture of human nature here. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There's a direct connection between our treasures and our hearts. Where one is, the other will be also. And our hearts are where we think, feel, and reason. And there's a direct connection between what we think and feel and our treasure. Martin Luther said, What a man loves, that is his God. For he carries it in his heart. He goes about with it night and day. He sleeps and wakes with it, be it what it may, wealth or self, pleasure or renown. The very word treasure infers that there is value or preference for something. What you love, what you think about, what demands your attention is your treasure. And what is God after? What is Jesus after for His followers? He wants your heart. He wants your affections. He wants your desires. The whole Sermon on the Mount is about true spiritual righteousness versus false external righteousness. Jesus wants you to treasure things that are in heaven. Set your affections on things there. Listen to me. Make what's important to you what is important in heaven. Sounds like the disciples' prayer again, right? May your kingdom come and your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. We need to pray that way. Maybe that's why Jesus taught us to pray that way. Jesus wants us to treasure the right things. Jesus wants our treasure to be kingdom things. Jesus wants our treasure to be heavenly things. And you say, well, that sounds great, but how do I do that? Funny you should ask that. Verse 22 and 23. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Now, what? What's going on here? We were talking about treasures. We were talking about hearts. We were talking about eyes. We weren't talking about eyes. What about treasures and hearts? And all of a sudden Jesus goes pirate and says, I. We move from treasures and hearts to the I. Okay, so what's it mean? He says the I, or I, I will say I by the way because I'm from Appalachia. The I is the lamp of the body. Now what do lamps do? They give light. That's easy. What do eyes do? I said, eyes. They take in visual information and we see the brain processes as visual cues what we take in through our eyes. So Jesus says the eye is the lamp of the body. The eye takes in information that should be bringing light into the mind and body. So what we look at and how we look at it determines what is going on in our hearts in our minds and in our affections. There's a reciprocal effect here. What we look at determines what we love, and what we love determines what we look at. But now watch this. See what I did there? Watch I see anyway. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. Now this is really important. Jesus is saying something very clearly here that we miss. Again, if we don't dig into the original language, into the original meanings a little bit. What does it mean for an eye to be healthy? The word for healthy is haplous and it means single, simple, whole, sound, or good fulfilling its office. So then what? Listen to John MacArthur explain it. The word is literally from the root of haplous which means generous. Generous. So it means generous, he says. It is used, he goes on to say, that way as generous many, many times. He uses two examples. Uh, James 1.5, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously. Same word as single or healthy in our Matthew passage today. Who gives generously. Romans 12.8, The one who exhorts in his extortion, the one who contributes in his Generosity. That word generosity is the same as healthy in our passage today. 2 Corinthians 9, he says he talks about the liberality or the generosity of the Macedonians. And so it's a word, MacArthur says, that means generous or liberal. He's saying then, almost done with the quote, still in the quote. He is saying then, if your eye or your heart, because the eye is illustrating the heart, if your heart is generous your whole spiritual life will be flooded with spiritual understanding. End of quote. So do you see that now? If your eye is simply holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, holy, generous, your eye, your whole body, all of you will be full of light. But if your eye is bad or not generous, your whole body will be full of darkness. So bad here is the opposite of generous. Which is what? What's the opposite of generous? Selfish. If your eye, if what you look at is shaped by, colored by generosity, giving things away, giving to others, it's good for all of you. But if your eye is selfish and wants to store up things for yourself, laying up treasures for yourself, you will be, all of you, your whole existence in darkness. So the question is, do you look at things selfishly or generously? That's the connection with the first part of the passage. You get that? Does it make sense? That's how we got from heart to eye. The way you look at things, the tint of your eye, determines where your treasure will be laid up. If your eye is bad or selfish, you will want to lay up treasures on earth, which we've already said is pretty stupid. But if your eye looks at things and you want to give things away unselfishly, you will lay up treasures in heaven. What's the first thing that goes through your mind when you see something nice? I want that? Or is it so-and-so would like that? That's a good litmus test. Now there's nothing wrong with wanting stuff. Jesus is not prohibiting having things. He is prohibiting storing up treasures upon treasures upon treasures upon treasures. So if I look at something and say, man, that's nice. I'd like to have that. That doesn't mean I'm bad. But if your life is, I want that. This is for me. I want that. I want another one. And I want more. And I want more. And I want more. Because this life is all about me. How great is the darkness in you? If your eye's bad, your whole body will be bad. So establish the connection. Giving generously lays up treasures in heaven for you. You say, how do I do it? You give. How's your eye? Because it's directly connected to your treasure in your heart. And there are only two ways. There is good or bad. There is light or darkness. There is heaven or earth. And then this last verse for today. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And so Jesus zeroes in onto the skinny of it all. He says it's all about which master you are serving. And there are two possibilities for the Christian. Two. No more, no less. And they are polar opposites. They are mutually exclusive. No one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. The language is that of slavery. Slaves don't have the option of having more than one master. Master, I'm going to go out and I'm going to shop myself around to see if somebody else would like to use me too. Okay, go ahead. That sounds great to me. That's never going to happen. You cannot have two masters as a slave. You're owned by one. And if you try to be owned by two, there's going to be conflict. What if the one master needs you Monday at 5 p.m. and the other master needs you at Monday 5 p.m.? You're going to have to pick. You're going to have to choose. And one master is not going to be happy. And the more unhappy you make the one master, the more you're going to gravitate toward the other master because you've made the other master angry and upset because you weren't there when you were supposed to be there. And you are owned. You are not your own. You cannot serve two masters. You have to choose which one to obey. And Jesus said plainly, you can't serve both. You can't be generously serving others and selfishly serving yourself. You can't do it. You will hate one and you will love the other. You will be devoted to one and you will despise the other. And then Jesus says, let me tell you what I'm talking about. You cannot serve God and money. That's what all of this is about. Treasures, earth, heaven, heart, eye. All of it is about what master are you serving? You are either serving God or money. Everybody that is a born-again believer in this building this morning, you are serving one of two masters. You are either serving God or you are serving money. And you have to choose every day which one you're going to serve. And you serve God by being generous and you serve money by being selfish. And pay attention to that. Selfish people serve money. Generous people serve God. Selfish people lay up treasures on earth but they're serving money. Generous people lay up treasures in heaven and they are serving God. You will serve one or the other. You cannot Serve both. Cannot. Plain and simple. Sometimes we overcomplicate the Bible. This is simple. You cannot serve God and money. And there's so much here. And that's a good direct lead-in for the next part, but we can't go to the next part today because we're almost out of time. So we will look at application for today from verses 19 through 24. And we got four D's. Do, I'm sorry, don't, do, decide, and devote. Don't, do, decide, devote. The first application is don't. And what are we don't to do? Do not lay up treasures for yourself on earth. Listen, we're talking application. We're talking about what? How do we respond? How should our lives be different in light of what we've read and seen today? And one way that your life should be different, Christian, is that don't lay up treasures for yourself on earth. Don't do it. If you are focused on piling up more and more stuff, more and more money, more and more things, more and more food for yourself... While you live your life here on earth, listen to me, you will ultimately lose it all. Don read Ecclesiastes 5 this morning. And it was talking about the vanity of doing that very thing. I'm going to read the next two verses that he didn't get to. Ecclesiastes 6, 1 through 2. There is an evil that I have seen under the sun and it lies heavy On mankind. A man to whom God gives wealth, possessions, and honor so that he lacks nothing of all that he desires, yet God does not give him power to enjoy them, but a stranger enjoys them. This is vanity, it is a grievous evil. All that stuff you want, all that treasure that you treasure, listen to me, ultimately will end up in somebody else's hands. And we're generally so nervous and so worried about, is something going to happen to it, we can't even enjoy it. I remember I had a real old car. I worked at Advanced Auto Parts. And I didn't care what happened to that car, not a bit. But it finally broke down, had to get another one. And I remember looking out the window one day, and a shopping cart was blistering through the parking lot. And where was it headed? My new car. And let me tell you what, I took off like a lightning bolt out of (laughs) that. Because I was worried about that car. And let me tell you what, one day I got rear-ended in Charleston on exit 97, mile marker 97, and that car got tacoed and totaled and destroyed. And all my worry for it, all my concern about it, at that point looked pretty stupid. I'm not saying don't take care of your stuff. I'm saying don't store up stuff for yourself because somebody else is going to end up with it. Somebody's going to destroy it. Somebody's going to steal it. Somebody's going to take it to the dump and it's going to get burned. And again, don't hear me saying you can't have things. You can have things, just don't let things have you. Don't let them burrow their way into your heart so that that's more important to you than other things, other people. Your relationship with God, your relationship with the church, your relationship with the lost world. Don't lay up treasures for yourself on earth. Don't do it. That's don't. Do. So what do we do? We do lay up treasures for ourselves in heaven. And that looks like this. Be generous with your stuff. Don't hold stuff. Don't let stuff hold you. Give it away. Red hot chili peppers, man. Give it away. Give it away. Nobody got that one. (laughs) Be generous with your money, your things, your stuff. Why? Because when you do that, listen to me, you send your wealth ahead into heaven. When you give away your stuff and stuff don't hold you, and you think about how you can help other people with what your stuff, with what stuff you have, your money, your possessions, man, so and so would love to have this. And you know what? They need it. Oh yeah, let them have it. You know what you just did? You just made a deposit in heaven. And that's smart. It's gonna last forever. What's it what is it? I don't know what it is. Paul talks about gold and silver and precious stones. I don't know. Is it literally a big treasury? I I know. But I know I want to be wealthy in heaven. You say, well, that doesn't sound very nice. I want to be wealthy in heaven. I want to be rich in heaven. And listen to me. God wants me to be rich in heaven. And the way that I lay up treasures is by being generous with my stuff here. Give it away. George Strait sang that too, right? Anybody say, Just give it away. There we go. I got, a, I got an amen corner here. Look, Jesus makes a closer connection with this in Luke 12, Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. You think the disciples heard these two things and they were different times, by the way? Matthew 5, Matthew 6, Luke 12, different times. And the disciples are going, aha, he's talked about this before. And here he tells them how to provide yourself money bags that do not grow old in heaven, a treasure in heaven. How? Sell your possessions. Give to the needy. Listen to me. Let me, listen to me too. Go home and look through your house. What don't you need? Sell it! And give it to the needy. That stores up treasures in heaven. Get rid of your junk. Knick-knacks, patty give it all a bone. Just get rid of it. I'm not saying go home and sell everything. No. But how much could you literally sell and give money to the poor? That extra thing that nobody uses. I don't know what it is. You got 28 bicycles out in your shed. Sell one of them for 10 bucks. Give to the poor. And we could do a lot more than that. I'm just saying. Read this again sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail. Where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. Anybody watch Marie Kondo? Huh? Spark a little joy. Sell your stuff and give money to people that need it more than you do. Or give that stuff that somebody needs to somebody else. You don't need it. Not only do you not need it, you can store up treasures in heaven by getting rid of it. I'm a hoarder. I've got bits of paper from junior high in a locker upstairs in my house. Now, the needy don't need that. They're like, thanks, I don't, I don't know. Your writing was awful, by the way. Yeah, it still is. But I mean, this is plain, right? This is easy. This is simple math. Sell your possessions, give to the needy, and that provides treasures in heaven. Generosity lays up treasures in heaven for you. Selfishness, it ends up in somebody else's lap and you lose it. Don't store up treasures on earth. Do lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Now... Third D. Decide. You're going to have to decide, Christian, which master you're going to serve. Are you going to serve God or are you going to serve money? You've got to decide that. and It's a day-by-day, actually I'd say an hour-by-hour, minute-by-minute choice. Paul gives us a good template of how to decide. Look at this. Colossians 3, 1 through 4. We're almost done. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. And here is the phrase for decide. Set your minds... What do you think about? Got to get up, got to go to work, got to pay the bills, got to have stuff. Well, that's not very kingdom-minded. You wake up, praise God for this day. Thank you for this opportunity to serve you. May your kingdom come and your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven in my life today, God. I want to set my mind on things of heaven. When was the last time you thought about anything in heaven? Well, I think about Jesus sometimes. Good! Good! Think about that more. Think about Him more. Think about your treasures in heaven more. And get your mind off of the things of the earth. And you've got to decide what you're going to think about. And what you decide is going to set your eye. And what your eye looks at is going to help you decide. So it's not just about your mind. It's about your eye. What are you looking at lovingly, longingly, lastingly? Because Herb says you will become like that thing. Set your mind on things above. God, help me to think about heavenly things today. Help me be concerned with your kingdom, your will. Help me to set my mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. They're going to burn. They're going to die. Somebody else is going to get your castle grayskull. I promise. So decide. (laughs) Decide. And that's an act of the will. It's an act of your will. What are you going to think about? And then finally, we looked at don't, we looked at do, we looked at decide, finally, with devote. Serve your master with wholehearted devotion. Look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. Set your mind on things that are above. And devote yourself fully to Him because what happens is if you don't, you're not going to serve Him. You have to devote yourself to Him with a deep rooted, deep seated devotion because I love my Master. For my Savior loves me so, He will hold me fast. If I love my Savior so, I will hold Him fast as well. That's devotion. And most of you, I'm afraid, are probably like me, and I lack devotion. Listen to this. We're looking at the last part of this passage. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously, there's that word again, to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man. Unstable in all of His ways. So you can decide to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm kidding. We don't do that here. You can decide to follow Jesus, but it can be a half-hearted devotion. Decide to follow Him and give Him all of your devotion because if not, you're going to be a double-minded man or a double-minded woman and you're going to be unstable. In all of your ways. Don't lay up treasures on earth. Do lay up treasures in heaven. Decide which master you're going to follow and devote yourself wholeheartedly to that master. And may that master be Jesus Christ. And maybe you sit here this morning and you're like, whatever... Heaven, pie in the sky, by and by. Give me my stuff now. If that's your heart, if that's your mindset, you don't know the treasure of Jesus. And He is a treasure. And you need to accept and understand the fact that you're a sinner. And you deserve the wrath of God to be poured out on you, just like all the rest of us. And as a sinner, you need a Savior. And Jesus is that Savior. And He died on a cross to pay the penalty for your sins so that you don't have to suffer in hell forever. And if you will come to Him humbly, He will forgive all of your sins. All of them. Past, present, and future. It's always now. And when He takes your sins away, He doesn't just take things away. He fills you up with the joy and the pleasure and the treasure of who He is. And your affections change. And what you used to love, you don't love anymore. And what you used to hate, you love now. And you move from being an enemy of God to being a child of God. God, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. And I believe Jesus is that Savior. Will you forgive me Heal me, cleanse me, and save me. That's the gospel. Make Jesus your treasure. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the glorious gospel that makes the treasures of this world fade away and fixes our eyes and our hearts and our minds and our lives upon the person of Jesus Christ, who is our treasure. Father, he was your treasure, and you chose to crush him and break him on a Roman cross for our sins. God, may everything pale in comparison to fixing our eyes on Jesus. Help us to live generously, storing up treasures in heaven. And help us to give you glory as we do it. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would stand and receive a benediction. I would ask you to stand one more time. I thought there was another time I was going to ask you to stand. Sorry about that. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do His will, working in us that which is pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. And all God's people said, Amen. You're dismissed. Stay and eat with us. if.